game, I want to be at the best I can be, which has been my credo since I started. But, you know, now knowing that I have a huge audience and a huge responsibility to, you know, not only myself, but uh, to people who may look up to me, um, it, it just got more intense. Welcome back after a much too long absence to the Outfield Podcast, episode 20. I am sorry for having no shows for three months. Lots of things happen in the interim, but I'm happy to be back with a man of my own heart, a hockey broadcaster. Talk a lot about hockey on this show. Love broadcasting. Of course, it is my chosen line of work, even if I haven't been doing a lot of broadcasting lately, thanks to this thing called the plague. Anyway, let's talk with somebody who is uh, out and broadcasting the world of hockey, something I wish to do very soon. Jonathan Clement of the Elmira Enforcers. Hello, Jonathan. How are you doing? Good, good. Yourself? Things have been better, but, you know, we're back doing this show after three months of not doing it. That's always a good thing. Uh, we have to first talk about the Elmira Enforcers in general before we get to you. Uh, why would people have heard of this team? Because if you mention a certain story to them, they will soon remember, oh, yeah, I've heard of that team before. Well, uh, honestly, we, we've gotten a, a lot of coverage during the first two seasons we've been in existence here. Uh, ESPN was nice enough to cover our owner, Robbie Nichols, who uh, who's a former Calder Cup champion. Uh, he's uh, suited up. He played a couple games for us. He's been behind the bench uh, a couple of times now. Uh, our head coach, Brent Clark, has suited up and played as well. And uh, there was some other incidents uh, a little bit less uh, less favorable that it went down during a championship uh, game two in our first inaugural season. And uh, we got a lot of attention for the logo as well. So we, <laughs> you might know us for a few different reasons. I, I remember because, of course, when uh, when uh, I believe it was Greg Wachinski that probably covered those stories, as as is how yes, it is. <laughs> and and when that happens, I usually pay attention because they're all very good. And these these are the kinds of stories that come out that are just like typical minor hockey. But it's it's the stories make you love minor hockey, right? Oh, for sure. Because for we sure. think of Slapshot. Yep. <laughs> and once you think of Slapshot, that's the end. I mean, that's that's it, really. Uh, I, as much as I'd love to spend time talking about how the coach and the owner have suited up and played, I don't think that's why I'm here, even though I could spend, and I know you could spend 30-something minutes doing that. I have to ask, what's it like calling a game in a situation like that? How, how do you, um, what's the word I'm looking for, the term? Not break kayfabe. <laughs> I guess it's the best way I could put this. Well, in all, in all honesty, uh, it's very simple, uh, especially here at this level. We, uh, we're used to the, the, uh, the strange and the odd um you know we've had former nhl players suit up and play a game uh uh we've got a guy in carolina he suits up all the time and uh and he plays down there and uh steve mcintyre and so so i mean uh it's not as weird as one might think and especially you know robbie uh robbie's an amazing boss he's a great promoter um and one of his uh his specialties there is that he uh he really knows how to promote and sell a product and the beauty of that is, you know, when he got out there, he had fun with it. Um, he scored in a game w- uh, against the NYPD the year before in our first inaugural season. Uh, this last time, he didn't score. He was uh, he was a defender, but he so gives he plays it all. everywhere too. I mean, isn't that isn't that the greatest? <laughs> it is for sure. I, I, I got to get him in goal. That's the one. Uh, oh the one no, I haven't seen him yet. <laughs> oh oh boy, you know. Hey, hey, and if he does well, maybe he can, you know, go up and beat the Toronto Maple Leafs when we're allowed back there, in Canada. There it is. 
Yeah, that's, we've uh, talked about that Zamboni driver night. Yeah, that was that, that joke was inevitable, and anybody <laughs> who follows hockey knew that that joke was coming. Uh, as again, as I say, as much as I want to talk about this for 30, 40 minutes of the the glories of minor league hockey and how amazing it can be at sometimes, I'm not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about you, uh, and and you know, broadcasters, we don't usually talk about ourselves all that often. But you you have an interesting story because I think you're probably the only one at any level of hockey who is out doing this. I think. I mean, if well, there are, if there is another one, I'd love to meet you. But I, as far as I know, you'd be the only one. Yeah, as of right now, uh, yeah, I think I'm the only, the only out, uh, out broadcaster. Um, I know I had a, a bunch of people, and I, I can't tell you, uh, Out Sports has been absolutely amazing. They featured me in just a uh, Where Are the Out Broadcasters article uh, about two weeks ago now, and then they didn't call post- me for some reason. Don't, why did they not do that? Um, anyway. We can work, I can work that out with them, uh, not on not on the public area of this podcast, but at some point I'll get I'll get through to them. But it, maybe they did it because I haven't done a game since October 2019. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he told me he was reaching out to a bunch of people, so I don't know. Uh, but uh, again, my invite got lost in the emails or or my Twitter DMs. My Twitter DMs are open though. I mean, come on, got, come on, go. guys, well, let's hurry up. Um, well, they they did reach out, and it was uh, I got some amazing responses from younger. Uh, broadcasters trying to come up, trying to get their footing. Um, I had a great response from a, a, a person in the, trying to get into this industry uh, who just said, you know, I can't thank you enough for, for being willing to be out there and to tell your story and everything. Um, and just, you know, giving me that somebody you were already doing what I said at the end of my article, which is uh, having somebody to give the next generation to look up to and say, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. And uh, that's so important to me. And it's so important to uh, to have that for somebody because I didn't have it and it's such a such a difference when you have somebody you can look at and you're seeing that now and it's uh, it's great with women it's great with uh, minority races it's great with all of that it's amazing and uh, now it's just you know what's the next step and hopefully out gay broadcaster will be the <laughs> the next row in there I mean we'd like it or, or bisexual <laughs> broadcaster don't forget about that too you know and there you go you have to try that LGBTQ. so all colors of the rainbow uh so exactly. let's go into your let's go into your story a bit tell everyone a little about where you grew up your your family life i remember reading your article when you came out on Outsports. you talk a lot about how important hockey was to you uh but yep. tell a little everybody a little bit about you know, your your life growing up your family and uh how you got involved with this sport that is such a double-edged sword <laughs> well uh i grew up in binghamton new york uh home of the binghamton whalers at the time i was born um and my first, uh, actually I was adopted. Uh, my parents, the first day they had me, I think it, I still have the ticket somewhere, took me to a Binghamton Whalers game and, uh, I just fell in love with it. I, you know, I grew up, my father played, um, I played, I played at outdoor rinks. I played everywhere I could. Um, and of course, you know, eventually the day comes and you realize you don't have the talent to be doing, <laughs> doing it at a certain level. And, uh, you know, you just want to stay in the game and, after high school, I got lucky enough to get a, a job doing merchandise, and uh, I did that for 10 years, And but the whole time I always knew I wanted to be a broadcaster. Um, I moved around to Florida, to Milwaukee, um, and just knew I wanted to do broadcasting and just didn't know a way. And now it's great now because all these different schools have broadcasting programs. That wasn't the case in 2003. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, Ithaca, I mean, I don't think Ithaca fell off the face of the earth, did it? It did not, but back in '03, there wasn't a, a ton of uh, just specified programs for it. I mean, and you like also could have gone to Syracuse. Okay, never mind. 
yeah, 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 you're going to bring up Newhouse, and everybody talks about Newhouse. Well, I'm, I mean, I, I say that because I, because I didn't go to Newhouse. I could have, but I didn't because I know, and if you're in the broadcasting business or you have thought about this, you, you definitely know what I'm about to say. At Newhouse, yep. you're probably not broadcasting until your junior year at the early. Oh, at least, yeah. And that's just because you've got a log jam. And I'd rather, and I will tell this to anybody who's listening to this who's a young broadcaster, whether you're out or not, don't go to Syracuse. You're going to be competing with too many people. Go to a place okay. where you can get to do games immediately. That's the most important <laughs> thing. Don't wait. Go, And yep. that's why, uh, yes, you could go to the University of Maryland. Plenty of games you can do immediately. Uh, I would <laughs> recommend doing that. And, uh, and, and even if you're doing hockey, you don't have to go to a school that has high-level, you know, D1 hockey. I mean, right. if, you went to, if you went to a lot of the schools with good broadcasting, don't have club programs. And you could broadcast to those club programs. So, mm -hmm. But the point I'm going to say is, as much as maybe there are going to be some broadcasters who are going to probably send me a note after this, why are you disparaging Syracuse? I'm not. I'm just saying. <laughs> very cold in the winter. It's not near anything, and you're competing with everybody. Go to a place where you're not competing with as many people, and you can carve out your niche. That's, that's the piece of advice. And uh, you didn't have it, but you don't actually have to really do broadcast. You don't have to go to a broadcasting school, quote-unquote, to do this. Right, but and I didn't. <laughs> and so you are. I mean, so I wasted all of my parents' money going to Mar No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But the point is, with that, it, it, is an, it is a path that can be taken if you want to go traditional or non-traditional route. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. uh, how many teams ago was the Binghamton Whalers? Is that three or four Binghamton teams ago? That's, uh, well, let's see. Uh, it was the Whalers, then it was the Rangers, then it was uh, the BC Icemen of the UHL, and then it was the Senators and now Devils, so four teams. Four teams. Okay, I just guessed. <laughs> It's, it's interesting, I think, because when I think about it, like, upstate New York is, like, the perfect minor hockey place, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yep. it is, like, you, it's, it's not the state where, obviously, you produce the most players, because, obviously, you have Massachusetts and Minnesota, but when I think of minor hockey, like, the, the quintessential minor hockey team is a team in Utica or Binghamton or the Syracuse Crunch or Rochester Americans or something like that. Like it's that's just the place where it is, and so. Well, I mean, that tells you right there. You just named four, you named four well, teams. Well, there were others. I mean, there used to be a team in what? What was the team? Oh. There's still a bunch of teams. There's uh, Adirondack Heat. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the team I was thinking Thunder. The Elmira team now, obviously yeah. the Enforcers. Uh, then you've got Buffalo in here too. The Rangers and the Islanders down there on the island. I mean, it's a hockey state for sure, and you don't see that even. You know, you talk about four AHL teams. You don't have that in another state. PA's got two. That's a lot. Have two. Yes. So, like, for so it's New not York surprising then that you grow up in a in a in a hockey household when you grew up in Binghamton and you end up now working not far away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, it's uh, it was the dream growing up, and I, I didn't know how to get there. And then I uh, actually, and I talk about it in my article too. Uh, I saw the Sean Avery uh, commercial. Um, oh, oh no! Back. Hey, oh no! It, it was a, that was a good one. It was inspiring, and I actually thanked him for it after uh, after having my story put out because I realized I'd never actually reached out to him, and uh, so I reached out and said thank you for for doing that commercial. And um, you know, it, we always talk about this with the uh, with this 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 kind of world we live in. It's the unlikeliest of heroes, right? <laughs> Not the hero yeah, we yeah. want, but the hero we deserve. And uh, Sean Avery. <laughs> I mean, he was the one on the forefront of it, putting out there, you know, marriage equality and everything in New York. So when I saw that during the middle of a Rangers game, I was like, I can do this. I can make it work. And 
you know, I got my uh, I got my experience in broadcasting uh, through the American Broadcasting School, and just started making calls. I got in at SUNY Broome. I called three years there, uh, including the NJCAA tournaments that now no longer exist. Uh, did a year at SUNY Binghamton, and lucky enough, I got this opportunity, and I've been here for this is my third year. So it, it's. It's obviously the untraditional broadcasting path, but then there's the other aspect of this too, which is um, there are not many out people in hockey, period, let alone broadcasting. And so <laughs> as, you, as you're understanding your sexuality and this is your sport, it probably didn't take long for you to realize, oh, uh, this, this place that I'm in, it ain't the best. Well, I mean, uh, it wasn't something I ever even discussed, honestly. It was something, you know, that was... When I was working and doing merchandise, I was working and doing merchandise, and you know, I didn't bring my my partner to the <laughs> to the rink or anything. Um, and then, like I said, when I saw that Sean Avery commercial, that's when I I realized, hey, I can do this, and it, you know, it's okay to be who I am. And uh, now, like I said in the other article that came out about two weeks ago, uh, you know, I was forefront about it. I was upfront about it. And if you go to my website, I'm still very upfront about it. I think that's what everyone, you know, it's now you feel safe being upfront about it, but there there was a time not too long ago where I don't think people like us would have felt upfront about it because you feel like, would I get the chance in hockey? Oh, there's that, still places when I see a job opening come up that I'm hesitant to even send my stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, and I, I discussed that in an article, uh, the last article that came out, I said, uh, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised by a few places. Um, I've reached out to him during this pandemic because I've used it for networking and trying to figure out, you know, what is the next step. Um, but, you know, there's still places that I see that come up and I'm like, eh, I don't know if I should. It's a natural instinctive reaction because I've had it too. Yeah. And it's and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it even just in general, I mean, you see broadcasting listings for small towns and places that you've never heard of before in in places like in Iowa and Missouri and then you go like do I really want to do that Is yeah it, do I yeah. feel okay with that I don't I don't know about that and then but in this sport particularly like mm -hmm. that's a sport where like if it's ever going to be held against you in any sport it's probably this one because you don't know who you're going to run into and in these teams right you you don't know whether the person who's been there forever and ever and ever you don't know what they harbor right and, that, and that's one of the scariest parts, I think, of this sport in particular, because it's so ingrained. And I've said this repeatedly, and I'm a broken record when I do this podcast and I talk about hockey-related things, that it's ingrained in the culture. And that comes everywhere. It's not just in the locker room. It's every part of the organization, and it takes a long time to root that out. So, you know, and particularly in minor hockey, where it's the most old school of old school, like maybe it's trickled, you know, from the top on down. I don't think it necessarily goes from the bottom on up in the sport. And I think that's the other thing that's scary because you just don't know what environment you're going to run into. Well, you even and, say that. You look back just two years ago and there was all that hubbub over the issue in Toronto where they thought the guy said, you know, fag. They thought he said it. And, you know, it's, it can't be proven. It can't be not proven. But the fact that the suspicion is even there is like, okay, you know, what, <laughs> what am I uh, – what is the comfort level? What is acceptable? What's not acceptable? What are people saying? You know, and again, in our role broadcasting, um, I go out of my way to, you know, stay away from the locker room. If I go and need something, I talk to the coach. I ask him to, you know, send me a guy to do this, send me a guy to do that. And to be honest, I've worked with great people, amazing people, and they, they've all been very accommodating and helping and everything. But um, from a broadcaster side of it, I've always 
learned from people I trained under and interned with that it's, you know, the locker room's kind of their domain anyway, but, you know, as an out person, I, I feel like I have an extra obligation to, you know, be overly respectful, to put myself at a distance and even more so than I, I think I normally would. But um, it's just those kind of thoughts that get into your mind when you're doing something like this. So talk about your own personal journey uh, with your, your sexuality and how that how you came to understand this this part of you. For everybody, it's different. Uh, where did it come? You said about how important it was for you to see that, that Sean Avery commercial clipboard. Oh boy. <laughs> I, I still, I mean, I was much younger then and I wasn't paying attention to hockey nearly as much as I pay attention now. And now <laughs> I remember and I'm going, Oh, wow. It's, yeah. It's, I don't remember where it came from. I almost think it was, I don't think it was mandated. <laughs> I don't think I, in uh, hockey I would doubt it would be mandated that you. No, would do it was something, something like in that. New York though, and that's what I'm trying to remember is what the situation was around it. But he was the first voice that I remember of being that positive voice and that positive, you know. And for a player like that, you know, someone who you think of as, you know, <laughs> most people know, think you would have never heard. So before that point, mm -hmm. you are coming to grips with your sexuality, and you your main outlet in life is hockey, and the two just flat don't go together. <laughs> you know, at that time they certainly didn't so how did you go through that that period in your life of discovery when the number one thing that was most important to you in many ways is is a place that was entirely closed off you couldn't be involved um you know honestly um the beauty of it is i had kind of gone through a lot of that self-discovery before i joined the industry um i kind of knew who i was at that point and was more or less looking for my professional aspiration <laughs> <laughs> so you, you did it the other way you yeah. you did it the i'm going to do the self-discovery and then do the professional thing i've always thought i got to do the professional thing and then do the self well not the self-discovery but the coming out bit that's why i didn't come out until when i did because right. i was like professionally i got to do that first get the job and then when i'm in they can't fire me now that i'm in there because i'm out so if they did <laughs> they'd get sued so right you know that that's why i tried to do it and it just didn't it didn't happen and eventually i got impatient but you yeah. did the other way. And if I could redo it, I probably would have done it your way. I would have come out a lot sooner if I hadn't thought professional aspirations first. Yeah. And I mean, it's just one of those things where, like I said, you know, I, it wasn't ever going to be comfortable. There was no way, no matter what way you went about it, that you were going to be like, oh, okay, well, now it's fine and I'm, I can do this. Or it, it, There's no way to get comfortable with it. And I tell that to anybody even just talking about possibly coming out. Uh, it's never going to be comfortable. It, everybody has their own journey. Everybody has their own way that went down. And every single person who's out in any form, whether it's, you know, any form of the rainbow, any form of the LGBTQ side of things, it's nerve wracking. It's scary. And you don't know what's going to happen. And it's, it's your own personal journey and everyone's got one. So what was yours in, in the way that you can best describe, how would you describe your journey to, the point where you felt safe being out uh, in oh. around your family and eventually in around your professional life? <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know that uh, I ever just had a comfort level. I ended up uh, actually, when I was in high school, having a, a boss at Hollywood Video. Uh, yeah, oh, no. there's, a, there's a video rental place. I, uh, I, I know what you're referring to. There might be people in this podcast who do not. <laughs> yeah, well, I was... Blockbuster knockoff kids. Blockbuster knockoff. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I had a boss who lived with her girlfriend, and uh, you know, I, 
I just kept talking to her about it and like told her. And then all of a sudden I told my family, I told everybody and I just was like, okay, you know, I wasn't ever comfortable enough to get there. I just did it. Cause I couldn't keep it in anymore. I guess. Um, I, I and... think congratulations to Hollywood video or an order. This is the most <laughs> impact you've had on anyone's life. Hey, I'm sure some people still have some late fees. They're <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> there may be somebody out there who has um, a Twitter account dedicated to Hollywood video. And I hope to never meet that person because that is a level of, uh, of dedication that I will never be able to get to. Yeah, it was a few years back, that's for sure. But I mean, what was this? This is early 2000s. Like, yeah, this is 01, 02. 01, 02. So, yeah, height yep. of video rental places. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, there were three in my little town of Binghamton. Uh, it's not that to, little so. town. If you got three it's, video rental places, it's not that little. It's pretty little. <laughs> well, like I mean, it's not New York City, but it's not like, you know, some towns in upstate New York. That is true. That is true. There, so, there are so small. Congratulations to Hollywood Video once again. <laughs> forefront of the LGBTQ rights movement in America is uh, is hiring out people and therefore making it easier for other people to be out, <laughs> doing it unintentionally, but it works. So congratulations to this defunct company, whose <laughs> stock might go up in 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 future days because apparently that's what people are doing on Reddit now. Oh, hey, there you go. I'm thinking about this story because it happened with GameStop and it may have happened with BlackBerry. Just people yeah. gaming the system, so it's on my mind. <laughs> but for you, did you ever have a point in which you finally felt free to just be yourself, just in general? So you kept talking about how it just happened. You just came out. Yeah. So yep. there was no moment of saying, well, I have to do this. I can't live like this anymore. It just sort of happened. You know, there wasn't any big, like we've talked to some people who have had big moments where it defines them in their coming out story. And for you, it's just a series of, hey, I'm I'm gay. Yeah, I I hate to say it because I'm, I'm not that much of an I'm not that interesting, I guess. Uh, there well, was... I mean, every you say every story is different, and it's and it's true. Some of them can be very big and very emotional and and you know telegenic, I guess you could say. And then there's others that are just kind of, you know, straightforward. I, I'm, yeah, I'm trying it, to find the term because it's it's and again like outsports existed back then, but not in the form that it is now. Right. And right. Just just being out in sports, they're just again when you're coming of age and you're a sports fan and this is the early 2000s as you say there aren't many i mean nope. if any i was much too young to pay attention to it at this point but looking back on it it's like <laughs> it didn't really start happening until much later like yeah. it, the 2010s was the first time i think that we really had this momentum towards this you know I'm trying to think i think it might have been let's see i'm trying to think of when it was that because uh, the Avery ad came out in 11, mm -hmm. and then I think Michael Sam was 13? 2014. 14? Yes. Okay. So I'm just trying to think, because right before that, I mean, unless it was, you know, honestly, and I, I go back to, you know, my childhood with Will and Grace was a big deal. Like, that was, you know, oh, my God, there's gay guys on television. And like So, like, I think it was just a progression, because you had Ellen, then you had Will and Grace, and it was just like, okay, like... <laughs> all right hey, the, hey it's not confined to this cable channel nobody gets right exactly which is so. which is um again <laughs> I, mean, I know people know what the channel i'm referring to but there you uh, go <laughs> so well again it, it went from a progression of it it had its own cable channel and now it became somewhat mainstream like okay right. we feel safe doing this now mm -hmm. you know and that just it had happened 
you can only look back on it and see that there was a progression. Right. Uh, and I was obviously much too young for Will and Grace either, and I didn't watch <laughs> a second of the revival for what it's worth, so. I tried. I just, you know, it was 20 years later. It, it didn't work. <laughs> I I mean, Karen's still funny. I, I don't know what <laughs> Listen, I'm not, I am not somebody who is so, um, in, like I don't watch Drag Race too, so I, I don't feel you know like asking me about any of these things is probably not the, I'm not the person to ask. <laughs> I watch too I watch too many sports things. I got to tell you that's, there that's you go. it's it's too much. So when you now decide yeah, I want to be a broadcaster, but then you figure out okay now's the way to go. How mm-hmm. did that interact with your sexuality as you're starting to go through the process of getting into this business? Did it ever happen? Did it come up at points? Did you talk about it with anybody? Was it something that was something that kept you up at night? It was. Um, it was kind of an odd experience because it was um, – I had gone – as I said, I, I worked almost 10 years uh, doing merchandise, and it was just something I didn't talk about. It was something, like I said earlier on, it was something I kept – this is my life at the rink, this is my life at home, and never the twain shall meet. Um, it probably didn't help that I didn't date a single guy interested in sports. Uh, so. Well, the problem is, as we, as we found out, that um, because the uh, world of sports was not too you know, good for our community for a while, uh, most of the people you could date were not interested in sports because they had no <laughs> reason to be interested in sports. And there it is. But uh, it's, different. it's a little different now. Oh, but for sure. Still, yeah. I mean, you're going to find the lion's share are not interested in sports for the obvious reasons, and I can't blame them. Right. I get that, too. And it's, it's like I said, it wasn't something that I worried about until I started thinking about it. And then I'm like, okay, well, now if I'm going to be, you know, the voice, if I'm going to be, because, you know, everybody's called the voice of at this point, uh, I don't remember when that became a thing. It wasn't something early on, uh, not when I was growing up, and that's 80s, 90s. So uh, now everybody's the voice of. Uh, which is interesting. So <laughs> I thought, okay, if I'm going to be the voice of, that's going to come out. And so you either have to accept it and say, hey, this is what it's going to be. It might cost me a job. It might help me get a job. It might be, you know, completely a moot point. Nobody will care. I know they're not, you know, supposed to legally be able to ask you regardless. But, you know, it, if it's something where you're going to be in front of everything, which, you know, that's your job if you're doing what we do uh you're the voice everyone knows when they think about that team uh if it comes out then it's something else so i just decided at that point um all right i'm gonna put in i'm gonna do the work i'm gonna do everything and i'm gonna be out because you know i want to prove that i can do this i want to prove that i'm just as good at it as anybody else they can hire and i want them to have to give me an actual reason why they're gonna say no to me yeah that's 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 the same mindset that i have you know, I'm upfront about it too. When people, you see me on Twitter, you see my website, it's there. You can't miss it. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, I do this show, so it matters to me. But I always, I've said, like, I don't want to be hired if some team's going to hire me or some network's going to hire me. I don't want you to hire me because it be able to put out a press release saying diversity. You know, it's not, don't hire people for that reason. It, you're not getting anywhere. We're not making actual progress. You do it because the person's good at their job. You know, and that's what I say with everything related to diversity in broadcasting. It needs to happen naturally. Don't force it because I don't think diversity for, you know, just the sake of a press release is good. You know, mm-hmm. we're not actually getting anywhere. The way mm-hmm. it happens is, is people just come up naturally through the system and they're hired because they legitimately can get 
the jobs that they deserve. And that's and, and I will say that as long as I, I do this, because there are plenty of good broadcasters out there that will deserve their shot and will get it because they're merited to get their shot. You know, mm. and, I, and I know you probably feel the same way because that's because this sports has never been, you know, the most diverse place in the world, particularly when you get to broadcasting and you get to the media covering it. It's been a straight white man's domain for so long. And it's going to take time for that naturally to change. And it has changed. And I'm glad it's changed because if it hasn't changed, then we would be in a bad place. But I know for me personally, if I'm going into a job interview and somebody brings it up, I would say, yeah, this is just who I am. And mm -hmm. I want to keep doing this podcast. But I, 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 it's just one of those things where I always say, like, hire me because I'm good at this. Don't hire me because I could check off a box and I can get a press release and I can get a story in, in, on the local news. You know, don't do that because that's that you weren't hiring me for the right reason then. And I don't think that's fair to me. I don't think that's fair to anybody who I was in contention with for the job. Right. And I know you're going to say the same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, at that, you know, at this point in especially in, in a media industry, that's so I mean, you, you look back over this long, elongated offseason and you think back to the event in Cincinnati, you think back to the incidents in the bubble you think back to the the stuff that's coming out like as much as i i do agree i in you should be based off you know what a what a person can do and what, what all of that um and that's what i go out and try to do every single day is put out the best performance put out the best tape put out the best you know everything that i can do uh to be recognized for that um there also needs to be a time where you sit there and recognize the flaws of the system as well and say, hey, you know, this isn't right. And I give a, a lot of props to NBC. They had the all-women's coverage day, which I thought was great uh, last year between the Hawks and – was it the Red Wings? I think it was the Red Wings. And the I know because I had Kate Scott on this show, and it was very <laughs> – it, it was a reason to talk about it. Another yeah. person who wasn't in that OutSports article, by the way. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's an oversight that's a bit odd to me. But I think that just – and I think that what I point out with her, and I love her work. She is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that even if she wasn't out and she wasn't on this podcast, but it's like her work shines through and mm. everybody knows. And that's just who she is, you right. know, and I think that the way we actually get and I know that this system is flawed. A lot mm -hmm. of systems in this world are flawed as this as we've been seeing in the last year. But to me, I just don't want to be somebody who was hired and, you know, you were hired. Yeah, because in large part, you could check a diversity box. And I just don't think that's the way we should be doing this. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to hire for the sake of it, but hire people because they're good and the diversity comes second. And then somebody can go in and say, yeah, if you work, we want to be accepted as the LGBT community and society and not be treated any differently, right? That's mm -hmm. the whole goal of what we do, of equality, you know, from the simplest thing from marriage to being able to donate blood without having to be told you can't do that, you know. The whole point is to be treated equally as everybody else, right. as best we can. Yep. Get rid of those implicit biases. And in this, and in this sport, old sports world, but particularly in hockey, that's tricky. But if I'm interviewing with some hockey team, I want to be able to say, you can see me on the merits of my work, but also, yes, I am this, and it's important to me, and I think it's very great to be involved in a sport that's had these issues with this community in the past. But mm -hmm. hire me because I'm good at this. You know? Right. I think the problem, it, it, and this is in my own mindset, because it's come up when I've been in a, in a, well, excuse me. Yeah, good thing I get paid to talk. Uh, I know, right? It's a great <laughs> thing we get paid to talk in this business. But that being said, 
uh, one of the things that comes up, you get in an interview and then it's like, okay, so I know that I'm out. I know that I put, you know, put that out there. I know the article came out last year. Now I'm talking to somebody and well, okay, but did, is that the reason I got the phone call? Well, or, the or, or the other question is, have they seen it? Yeah. Yep. So it's because <laughs> you don't want that one being something. That's why I put it right on my website because I want to make sure that it, it is out there because I don't want, hey, we hired you and now two days later. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's possible now. I don't, I, just based on You'd the fact be surprised. that. You're, <laughs> well, the fact is, I think people, you know, your Twitter account is vetted. Your, all of your social media accounts are vetted because mm -hmm. if something comes up, then they got to get out ahead of it or otherwise, you know, you say something wrong and, uh, oh, that's my tweet from seven years ago. Yep. And that's a, that's not a good thing. But it's I not. think in, but I think in particular, as I said, we, there are not many out broadcasters, period. Right. But particularly why I wanted to talk to you is because you're an out broadcaster in this sport of all sports. Mm -hmm. And you're in the minor league hockey realm. Mm -hmm. Where, as I said before, it can be very old school in the way hockey is. You know, if you ever see a story about a massive line brawl, it's coming from some level of minor hockey that, to be honest, you probably haven't heard of. And I always talk about these kinds of minor levels of hockey. It is truly for the love of the game as much as it is, you know, anything else. It is a job for people, mm -hmm. but it is very much a love of the game thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And I see that in this situation. And... For you, I mean, you really are a trendsetter because nobody's done it before. Even if they were, they were closeted. There's no way to know, <laughs> you know. And now it's because there. we've mentioned it before. The number of people that are out in hockey are just, mm -hmm. it is minuscule compared to other sports. And we've always mentioned about how sports can be very exclusionary unintentionally or intentionally. Hockey was the most. So when you finally got that job doing what you want to do and knowing that I'm out and I'm doing something here that not many people have done before me, what did that feel like? Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Cause when I got the job, it was, it was, uh, absolute, absolutely thrilling and uh, exciting. Um, and actually I got the call, I interviewed on a Saturday and I got the job on the Monday and then they had a press conference on the Tuesday. So it was, a, uh, you know, hey, you're a media guy, be here tomorrow. Um, so uh, it was it was intense, obviously, to start. And then when I actually got to set, sit back, I think it was uh, right after my first road trip. I had gotten home, uh, just done two games on the weekend, sat back and said, you know what, I did it. I've gotten in, I, you know, I got my chance. I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing for my living. This is, you know, my career. This is what I've wanted to do. And, you know, I'm able to do that. And I just, every game I want to be at, at the best I can be, which has been my credo since I started. But, you know, now knowing that I have a huge audience and a huge responsibility to, you know, not only myself, but uh, to people who may look up to me, um, it, it just got more intense. And, you know, I, I literally just had to sit down and take a second to appreciate it because it's, it's so unbelievably overwhelming to have that that out that ability to speak to people. And I've worked with you can play for a couple of years and gone to different events and spoken and just done everything I can do to because I want to leave a positive impact however I can and to be able to do this for a living, like I'm honestly just everybody always says blessed, so I'm trying to find another word, but um, my vocabulary is apparently limited today. Uh, pandemic, you know, it, it gives you brain fog. 
Oh, trust me, I just did eight games in three days, uh, two two and a half weeks ago, and yeah, eight, eight was... games in three days. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I have once done eight games in two days. I mean, that there was soccer, go. so it's a different sport, but you know, <laughs> I mean, everybody's done it. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But that was like after not doing it since March twelfth. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the other. That's the other part about it. It's it's crazy that you're just starting up now. Yeah, because and it's it's got to be a mess. With well, this particular, as much as I want, you know, like you see with the NHLs having trouble getting this off the ground, and then you've got all these minor leagues that are trying to start, and you know they're trying to keep the lights on, yep. you know, yep. and it's tricky because. Well, normally with us, we have uh, we have a baseball team too with the Pioneers. So I, I, my first year, I went straight from hockey. We had two weeks, and then we started doing baseball. So, uh, not having baseball last summer, not having called a game since March twelfth. Like, here's your uh, here's your welcome back. I did eight games for. Our junior team had a tournament and I just went and called them and got the rust off and now we've got uh three preseason games this weekend and yeah. And that's and that's getting you back in the swing of things and hopefully the the plague stays away. <laughs> Fingers are crossed. Luckily, uh, you know, New York I think you got hit early, so hopefully we'll uh we can avoid most of the <laughs> Most oh no! This this, this this thing is a uh, is a menace. <laughs> you know, it, it it it's not going away. And uh, sadly, I mean, if if the NHL if the NHL can't avoid it, I mean, it's uh, we can't be like the NFL and just see COVID take Sundays off. You right. Know, it's 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 highly unfortunate. So I have to talk now about um, the, your interactions with the people, your the team, uh, the mm-hmm. coach, the coaches, the people around you, because uh, mm-hmm. obviously they knew. You know, yep. and in a minor hockey team, people are putting on multiple hats, so everybody knows. So what are those interactions like for you? And have you encountered anything that's less than savory, or has it been a relationship that's been better than you thought? Has this, you know, have the, the potential minefields, the galaxy-braining things that we do, because that's, <laughs> that's who we are, and that's what we have to do, you know, when we're gaming these out. We're very good at game theory, uh, mm-hmm. all of us. How is that? Have you had any issues with it, or has it gone better than you expected? Um, no, honestly, it's it's been better than expected. Um, like I said, I've I've been lucky. I work with a great company here with Can USA Sports. Um, that everybody's been really really pro diversity, pro everything. Um, my my boss's wife, uh, she's working right now with me on trying to do a, an inclusion video, and we're trying to do some different things this year. Um, and it's just honestly been an awesome experience. Um, you know, there's the usual, you work in hockey, there's ribbing, there, <laughs> there's plenty of it. Um, well, but I mean, it's not, when I, when I hear that, I think mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I know hockey, I've talked to a number of people in this sport, right. but like, you know, what can happen, you know, right. For sure. but like, there's, there's a difference between like oh, yeah. the stuff that can fearfully happen. Right. But, yeah, that that's like you haven't had to deal with any of that. No, you know, like no, the horror stories, and you must have read some of oh, these of stories of in course. the past. And you go, have you gone like, thank God that hasn't happened to me, or I'm like, well, I've been there. No, I think uh, a lot of it is is just uh, it's been more okay. Prepare yourself because this is the reality. Um, you read some of those stories and you just get like, oh my God, okay, um, well. You know, I'm, I'm opening a door, and we'll see where that kind of falls down, and how far I can, how far I can go. And um, obviously, you, you hate to hear those things. Um, you know, one of my other jobs before I started here, I did get a chance to call for the CWHL, so I, 
I worked with a lot of people who were very, very positive um, and very, very about inclusion. And uh, obviously, you know, the CWHL was had a large number of the L part of the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. uh, that were very, very, very actively involved. And it actually inspired me to be more proactive um, and to start doing as much as I could with organizations and and uh, my local community here. I've tried to reach out. I've tried to get things started. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful that I had that opportunity to work with the CWHL and uh, really see what actively participating look like because all those women that I worked with there were absolutely amazing. And you talked about your the locker room and mm-hmm. how you – because you have to do, again, when you're, when you're a broadcaster or a minor league team, mm-hmm. it's, it's always been something I've thought about. Like, is it – I don't know if, like, I've ever wanted to do it because you just have to do so many hats, right? Eventually <laughs> you do. I mean, I've got – I've had my career path has been a little bit more different. But mm-hmm. when you think about what that entails, you got to do so many things. Oh, yeah. you got to talk to the players. you got to put all this out. And so you, you, you have to go into the locker room. And you talked earlier about those, those interactions and how you, you set things up. And, like, how, what, what is your plan of action for things like that? Um, honestly, for me, I've always taken – like I said, I did about six internships before I actually got an opportunity to work. Um, and so I saw a lot of different approaches. And a lot of younger guys uh, just go in the locker room. And, um, you know, even at the AHL level, like I I saw guys, okay, it's time, media time to go in the locker room, whatever. Um, and that's fine. That's an, that's one approach, but I, my first, uh, first experience watching it, a lot of, uh, a lot of the broadcasters that came through Binghamton, um, especially in the very early days would bring everyone out to a backdrop and do all the stuff there and, and things of that nature. And they, I asked uh, somebody once why, and he said, well, the room is theirs outside is ours and they know when they come here the camera's on and so i've kind of stuck to that just as a broadcaster and uh i think that's regardless of my sexuality i think it's just that the room is theirs here is where the camera's on and that's the understanding um so i've been blessed with a great captain who's now our playing head coach this year um who anytime i needed anything i could just say hey i need two guys for interviews hey i need this i need this i need this um so i've been really lucky in that um, if I have to go in the locker room, I will. I, I try to be respectful. I knock. I, I do. thought, to me, it's as much as it is like, you know, the scrums, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like those. Like, going into the... It's not that I haven't felt uncomfortable going to the locker rooms when I've done that, but I've never enjoyed it because I don't think you get anything good out of them. You don't. You know? When I, when <laughs> I sit in... Pre- I've sat in press conferences, and I don't usually ask questions in press conferences because they're going to ask the same question. You're not going right. to get the good... The things that you need. Mm-hmm. For me, I've always thought... And I've never had to do this at a high enough level because the sport I've covered, the highest level is soccer. We have things called mixed zones in soccer. You don't actually have to go into the locker room all that often. Mm-hmm. But my, my thing would be is... I'd pull them aside, and, you know, after practices, you know, you yep. build the relationships, you talk to them, and that's when you do that, yep. and that gets you where you need to get to eventually because you introduce yourself to everybody, and that's, and that's the way it goes. Right. I mean, I never, I never feared the locker room, and if, something, and if something happened in a locker room and I heard some of that language, that language to me does not offend me as mm-hmm. much as it is, like, it is offensive, but to me it's, it's just it will never offend me because I've never, ever felt like things like that they don't bother me as much that's just how i'm wired right i would i would probably pull somebody aside and say listen can you not use that term can we find another can we find another synonym for that Mm -hmm. just just know that i'm there and i don't and and i would say it more in like 
self like their defense you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i don't want people hearing that you did this because if you did you're going to run into a lot of issues so you know kind of nip that in the bud you know has anything happened where you've ever talked to somebody about this that anybody asked you you know you know like i've heard i've heard we've had stories on this podcast of dumb straight guy questions which <laughs> it's a great great way of putting it and i love that has that ever happened with you have people have, have you ever been asked by players and like i haven't met anybody like this what that's x y and z and i think that's actually as awkward as those questions are it actually is a good way to you know to teach people to get them a little bit out of their you know like this is what life is like you know because yeah. for some of these people if they're growing up in hockey they may never have seen it you know <laughs> somebody who's out obviously i haven't in all honesty i haven't had it much from the players um i have had questions just from uh you know fans or from fans oh boy yeah well i've had it from fans i've had it even people i've worked with in the past um honestly through linkedin i've, I've had people ask questions after Wait, the articles people came. have asked you through what through linkedin yeah it's uh it's kind of funny um uh, kind of funny that's hilarious i mean <laughs> you know i think of it as a, a connection website for career and i was getting questions after the article wow so it, it's okay. Kind of, Congratulations it, to LinkedIn, I guess. I mean, I, I wow, hey. uh, that that one floored me. Honestly, <laughs> I have to say, uh, like I that's said, that's not it's the a thing I expect to see on LinkedIn. It's not on the wall. They they send it privately. No, I know still... it's private messages, but I still like I've been on LinkedIn. I posted about it, and I don't get private messages on LinkedIn <laughs> saying, "Hey, how about how about that?" Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was interesting, but I know you know. It, even when I was doing that, I was debating going back and forth about putting it out. And when I shared it all over it, again, it was a great overwhelming response of positivity, but I kind of set myself up and I, I was waiting for the backlash too. And there was some of that too. I, I had, uh, I had some of that where people were saying, well, why are we even talking about this? Um, <laughs> and and, and said, here's the thing. They're not coming from the, why are we talking about this in the, let's make this normal right. perspective. Exactly. Which that's the problem, which is why I don't like that question as right. much as I used to, you know, like that question. I don't like it anymore because now I realize, well, they're not coming in from a, my perspective of why are we talking about this as in we shouldn't. This should be normal. Right. And, and they're like, we shouldn't for other reasons. Exactly. So, so let's talk about the outsports story. What what compelled you to do that? Why was, uh, you know, what was the the driving force behind saying i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna you know outsports has a very big platform and obviously you know you're out before that but it's a different kind of platform you're introduced to different kind of people uh what was the what was the reason that compelled you to, to go out and, and do that it's funny because i you know after having a couple articles now uh i realized how long they've been there and you know how amazing that that is um but in all honesty i i had somebody share an article and again, it was on it was on LinkedIn, and uh, oh my good lord, so, well, LinkedIn, some, everybody! Somebody shared an article. Free publicity. I I looked at it, I read it, and I was just floored. I I thought it was great. I thought it was amazing, and I you just remember what the article out. was about. I'm trying to think right now. I'm actually scrolling through my LinkedIn to try to find it. Oh no! <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, I mean, this was this was back in God. I was sitting at home still, so that was you know june <laughs> which shouldn't seem that long ago but it really does no that and... was that was um carry the carry the one a thousand years ago <laughs> i mean it feels that way for sure it, it does but i i was sitting home and somebody shared it and i read it and i'm still looking for it I'm, i post too much 
Um, but I read it and I was just so absolutely thrilled just to see that. And then to go through and see all these other articles and to see, you know, Hey, wow. Okay. This is kind of awesome. And then I just reached out to him and I just said, Hey, I just wanted to say, you know, I absolutely love this. This is amazing. Thank you guys for, for putting this out there and for, you know, for saying things like this. And, uh, yeah. Then they're like, Hey, well, would you like to tell your story? I'm, I said, I honestly don't think I have that interesting of a story. So, uh-huh. I think that I think that what when you say that, it's so funny because because everybody thinks their story is not interesting and it's not important. But then you realize once you look back on it, you have more of a global perspective. You go, actually, no, it is, because eventually, because it, 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 it didn't hit you until later that oh, I'm the only person who is out broadcasting hockey. Right. You know yeah. that that that's something that it takes a while to to realize. You know. And yeah. I think it's it's one of those shows like and it's honestly because we don't have anybody, you know, the highest level hockey player. We've got, you know, there are current pros and former pros, but they're not anywhere near the level of other sports mm-hmm. as, as we know. So I think anybody coming out in hockey, it's more important in hockey than any other sport because there's just so few and yeah. there is so much you have to get through in order to get to. The, the crux of the issue and that's what i've talked about a lot and that's why i'm saying like anywhere mm-hmm. you know w- when outsports can write a story about somebody who's working in an nhl team's front office but in a role you've never heard of you know you go my brain will go okay i'm referring to joe altano by the way who's somebody hopefully i'll have on this show one day i was you just know, gonna th- say he's he's been amazing i think he- and, and i think that and again like these are the kind of people who are out in hockey and it mm-hmm. just you have to focus with them because the people who we'd love to focus on which is the players and people who are you know in this area mm-hmm. well what can we do you know we are so far I, I i don't think we're as far away as some others say but we're far away from that it's not like and i follow other sports like soccer where i've had multiple people who have been out and i've seen it mm-hmm. you know in hockey you just don't have that and so anybody coming out at any level, it doesn't matter, is a big deal because there is some ground that they are breaking that would not be the case in another sport. And, and I think that it's still, it's still something that – and I, I've done this show with people in all different sports, right? You know, mm-hmm. you've talked with people who are out in all different sports and all different parts of this world we're in. And, mm-hmm. and you just – and it, eventually you, you realize just hockey is so far behind everybody else and it's not even close. Yeah, it's, it's almost jarring, you know, and and I found the article. <laughs> you found the article. I did. Yeah, it I was, filibustered uh, long enough to do that. It was uh, Josh Lindsay's article. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's uh, in, with the Rangers in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. So as yeah. I say, like that's uh, that level of story in mm-hmm. hockey that that's the kind of person who's coming out in this sport. Mm-hmm. And as much as I say, like, I'd love it to be players, and we've seen players come out, and that's good. We need to see more, but that's the level of person that's coming out in this sport, and that's the kind of person who's having their voice heard because that's how far behind the sport is. And that's, I think, like, has, has it really hit to you that you are doing something that nobody – I think I, I've asked it already, but in another form, like, has it really hit you? Like, this is the kind of thing – that I have done is to truly break a barrier. You know, I'm doing this. Nobody else has done it before. And everybody else is who's going to do it after me is kind of following in my footsteps. And it's not like I intended to be the first out broadcaster in hockey. It just happened. You know, I don't, 
<laughs> like I said, I think I think it hit me on a personal level, but I don't think it's hit me on that level where it's like, you know, it's true. And I, I you know, I think it's great and fantastic. And I'm just ridiculously proud. But um, I don't think I don't know if it'll ever actually hit me that that's the thing um, for me. I, and I blame my parents for this. I'm 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 a goalpost guy. <laughs> you always move the goalposts. I'm, yep, I'm looking at it, and I just keep saying, okay, well, you know, now I've done that, so now I need to be the first. Well, I don't think that's moving the goalposts as much as it is just saying <laughs> I'm, I'm a guy who's like, I can't, you know, feel like I've accomplished something for long. There's something else I have to accomplish, right? Yeah, I don't think that's a bad way of going but about I just it. Feel like I, keep setting the different, I keep setting the goal further and further ahead and just keep trying to push. And, uh, you know, maybe at one day, and I, I've said this a bunch of times, I'm like, there will be no retirement. There will be carrying my dead body out of a broadcast booth somewhere, still the headset attached. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's a bad way of going about it. I, I've said to people, like, there, there really isn't retirement in broadcasting. You can still be really good at it when you're collecting a pension. So, you know, and, and good broadcasters still broadcast well into their 80s. And, you know, I mean, maybe it'll be our, our heads in situ a la Futurama doing that when we're in our 80s. But, you know. I'll still be doing it. <laughs> I, I bet. I mean, I, disembodied voice. Yep. Yep. Possibly. They'll have made a, a robot with my voice at that point, hopefully, if I'm good enough. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so when you think about now, like, your goals, you, you say you want to broadcast the NHL, don't we all? Yep. Um, and I think just the smaller goals is, like, the next moving up to the next level. So what what is, what is your set of goals now? Because you always talk about, you know, setting new ones. Yeah, you're doing this for a third year. I know you definitely think about moving up. Oh yeah, what's it yep. like ECHL probably next for you or USHL? You know, I it, it's not clear at the moment. Um, I mean, my well, it's not clear goal... because I don't know what leagues are even playing at this point. Yeah, like well, I mean, it's my... not a good time to be in this business because you just don't know what's even going to be happening tomorrow. Right, but that uh, I mean, my. My ultimate goal, obviously, anybody who gets into this is they want to be at the NHL level, and I, I no exception. I absolutely 100% want to be at the NHL level. Um, but I had a good conversation with a, a couple of guys who are former VPs of communications, and uh, Matt Salmon. It's been great as a mentor, uh, as has uh, Matt McConnell of the Coyotes. Um, I've talked with them both at length many, many times about uh, goals and what you know what I would consider successful and. Uh, you know, I, I'm a kid from an AHL town. I could be very, very happy if my <laughs> my entire journey ended with many, many years riding the bus and doing AHL hockey. That would be, I would say that's a huge success. And I think that's where my, my goalpost is right now is, uh, is a job in the AHL working and getting to call, you know, the next ones, as I always like to call the AHL. I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, like, and, and not everybody can get to the highest level as much as we'd like to. And I mean... You there's know, finding that now, is, like... <laughs> there, there's something there's something very special in finding like this is actually this is where I belong, mm-hmm. you know. And if you can get there, that's great. Yep. You know, and I think for you uh, personally, if I was saying like if that's what you want to do, like do it because you know like you're you're a kid who was born and raised in you know a like minor hockey country, and at some point like listen, we can't all be you know some of these great broadcasters that we've talked to. Right. Maybe you'll get lucky. Yep. Um, but if you do that, there's no, there's no shame in that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, who's the guy that broadcast the Fort Wayne Comets for like fifty thousand years? Bob I can't Cole? remember his name, and I, I'm I'm embarrassed. I should know that. 
I should too, because I talk with his replacement. All the oh time. God, even worse. <laughs> He's Shane's gonna kill me. Um, yeah, I mean, because listen, my... there are a lot of hockey broadcasters. I haven't talked with many. I have talked with some, and like, yeah, like that's the first thing. I'm like, you could be that, and, and yeah. wh there's nothing wrong with that. Nope, I think that's that... a very noble way of going about it. Bob still. Chase, there we go. Thank you. I had because to... <laughs> listen, I I'm recording this. I have to make sure that the thing is still working. You know, and so well, let's not. Maybe it died there. <laughs> it did not die there. It did not. So there's also a great thing called editing Audacity. It's great. There you but, go. And that's why I like this podcast because I can choose to edit out the bits where I'm filibustering and sounding like a complete idiot or not. You don't. You can't take yourself too seriously. We're we're carnival barkers in the end, right? So true. <laughs> well, I mean, for you, I mean, especially, is there a moment that in your broadcasting career where you're like, I can't believe I had to just do that. Was there a moment where I'm like, even then I can't? Because there, there are some times when I look at what broadcasters are doing. You know, I was watching the Nick broadcast of the, mm -hmm. the wildcard game, right? Yeah. And I'm watching this, and I'm at the start of it, I'm like, I don't know how seriously I could take this. Because, you know, when you're a broadcaster, you're very much of a certain mold, because that's what you see, right? Mm -hmm. And I've seen broadcasters who are great at making jokes and having fun, mm -hmm. right? And then I see this broadcast, I'm like, okay. Could I do this the way that it would need to be done? Or would I do this in a way that would not be taking it as seriously as I should be, but, you know, giving the broadcast the attention it deserves, right? Right. And then there were moments later and like, okay, no, I could have done this because I got we got to the point where everybody was making jokes and it became a, like an in-joke in of itself, right? Right. Did you have and, – and, and in minor hockey particularly, in all levels of minor sports, there's stuff like that that happens all the time. Like yeah. Nickelodeon Knights have kind of bog-standard minor league promotion, ain't it? You know, uh, not in the Fed, but uh, <laughs> not, not for you. But I'm talking like just your single A baseball. Oh like yeah, in, yep. like that's a, a pretty bog standard promotion. So yep. I'm thinking, like, did you have a moment where it's like, I don't even know if I could take this the way that I should take it, right? You know I, I mean, mean, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, there's been a few. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you also had to deal with the coaches playing and some line brawls and stuff like that. Well, I actually, the first clip uh, that I ever had that got on ESPN is uh, I was calling – actually, it was my first job with the SUNY Broom Hornets. I was calling NJCAA Hockey. It was the final tournament, the last one they're ever going to have. They shut down hockey completely now for the NJCAA. And uh, <laughs> this guy uh, from the Erie Cats uh, came out of the penalty box and knocked over the referee. And <laughs> I was in my third year broadcasting, and he, I see him go down, and I, I – I still remember the call because everyone will still play it for me. And it's, oh, I can't believe he just did that. <laughs> it was did just... it sound like that with the, like, yeah, veritable it... shock? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so... the funniest thing I'll, I'll say is this is my funny broadcasting story. I was doing, uh, when I just got out of college, I was doing some D3 soccer. I mean, that's that's low. That's, you know, <laughs> what you're doing. I mean, I was doing D3 soccer. And there was a tournament game. Mm -hmm. right? It was a weekend. Mm -hmm. And if you look it up, I think it's UMass, Boston, and Haverford. There was a huge brawl. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't do that game, but I had done a lot of games previous to that. Mm -hmm. I was away that weekend, um, actually. That was the weekend of U.S.-Mexico World Cup qualifier in Columbus in 2016. If okay. Yeah, so I was at that game, and I was flying home uh, that weekend. Mm -hmm. And that game was that Saturday. And there was a huge brawl, and it was everywhere. And I'm like, boy, if I didn't go to that game... <laughs> that, that U.S. Men's National New Mexico game, I would have been calling that game. <laughs> so close to calling that game. 
Uh-huh. And I, I was like, I and so, and somebody sent it to me. I was stunned. Like, yeah. Oh my word! And you're <laughs> dealing with that, right? Like, and and, and just in sort of a play by play perspective, how do you do that? You know, and give it the you know the attention it deserves, but also you know again, not take it too seriously without breaking kayfabe. I uh, that's a good one. Um, I think you know, and we've had the bench clearing brawl. You've had. You know, you have those moments. In hockey, it's a little less late, less likely. Like, we had the uh, the Carolina Thunderbirds and the Columbus River Dragons had a complete coaches involved in the fight. Benches are cleared. I mean, it was crazy. And I'm just like, thank God I wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know how you call that. I mean, you just – I give props to the, the couple of broadcasters in this league who did. And they, they, you know, they tried to keep it topical. But, I mean, and the other thing, and I, I have to remind people of this, like – especially as a broadcaster and you know better than most uh yes you're broadcasting the game yes you're calling the game yes you're telling a story uh one side pays you (laughs) like i feel like people forget that there's a reason that i'm talking favorably about this team and not so favorably about this team this one gives me money uh see the funniest thing is a lot of the things that i've done were either a for free or when i have done a league it has been neutral okay Uh, I've done high school soccer. I've done some some lower level soccer, and those were neutral broadcasts. So yeah. it's not like I worked for a team. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, I've broadcast for a team for their feeds, but I always called it neutral because like that's the only way I knew how to. <laughs> you know, I, I can't do if I did favoritism, it would sound terrible. Okay. That's just not how I believe broadcasting should go. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's not like I couldn't do it. It's just like I think you should call it like. As broadcasters, we should call it how we see it. We should be honest. Yeah, well, for we're, sure. We're telling, we're telling stories. We're telling what's in front of us. We're painting a picture. Oh, you know? for sure. But part we of have, that too, we have editorial, also. but as much as we can, we should be. And I think people will have different definitions of uh, not biased. You know, like when I watch, like, oh, this broadcaster is biased for both teams, then he's clearly doing a good job <laughs> because both fan bases hate him. Well, part of you that know, too is, and and again, like I said, you people have to listen to that and know that too though is the action is the action whatever happens is going on that's what you're calling that is the part of your broadcast that is non-biased but when you get to a break you know i'm not talking about their next three home games i'm talking about ours and where you can call. No, I, I understand that i, but, I completely understand so that. obviously there that's going to come off as you know oh hey these but also it's like when you're doing games like you're broadcasting for the team and right. in the case of like in the case of me doing minor like D three stuff, like or or some lower level D one stuff, like this is the broadcast that is going to both teams. Obviously, this is oh, a home team, you know. For sure. And so, I mean, that's 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 part of it. Do you have? Is there any like other outside of hockey? Is there? You've done some baseball. Uh, is there any like bucket list thing you want to do in broadcasting? I'm trying to think. We're you far know, away I... from Lake Placid for the NWHL. Yeah, I know. I reached out. I tried to get, <laughs> but the, uh, the, I think the one bucket list thing, and I just, uh, you know, I grew up in the nineties, so I'm going to say, uh, it's doing something for pro wrestling. I just think that'd be so oh, fun. Re- oh. hmm? I, I can't, I, 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 it took me much longer in life to understand wrestling. Um, <laughs> I just until I got on Twitter, until I got on Twitter, I had no connection with wrestling whatsoever <laughs> until I got on Twitter. It'd be such a fun thing because you're just being. Well, also, you think about wrestling. There's a lot oh, yeah. of good visibility in wrestling. Yeah. A lot of out wrestlers. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That. 
Yep. But it's yep. just something too where you can amp yourself up and you know be. Well, that's a that's different than broadcasting, like because that's oh, yeah. a performance as much as it is anything else. One hundred percent, and that's why I said if it, if there was one thing out there, that would be it. Just because it's it's so different from what I do day to day. <laughs> that that would that one well, would there's got to be some good level wrestling promotions in in upstate New York. Like that seems like <laughs> wrestling country to me. I mean, hey, we've had uh, we've had WWE come through our little arena here a couple times these last couple of years. So in Elmira. Yep, two weeks wow. uh, before we shut down, we had oh, wow, WWE eh? here. So <laughs> I guess I should have known about that, considering I follow people who follow wrestling religiously. <laughs> and I also follow the Jacksonville Jaguars, which means I have learned a lot more about AEW than I ever I'm thought sh- I would. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm sure that's going to be a... It, it's, been, it's been... I I was tempted to make jokes about how the fact that, you know, how the owner's son cares a lot more about AEW than he cares about either the two teams he ostensibly has a role in. <laughs> I'm sure Jaguars fans and Fulham fans are going to say that. Probably. <laughs> and they would be correct. But it, it's just, it's funny, like, and I think about that, like, you know, wrestling, and I know you probably, as a wrestling fan, would say, you know, that's a, that, there's a lot of good out wrestlers that are, oh, doing yeah, some, that are doing some pretty amazing things. And you wouldn't think that wrestling would be a, a sport where you'd have a really high level of this, but they do. I mean, was it, isn't Finn Valor one of the most, like, out LGBTQ advocates in all of sports or something like that? Well, it's been a thing for a long time, too, if you think about it. The, I mean, just as a WWE perspective, Pat Patterson, the first intercontinental champion, was an out gay wrestler like this has been around for a long time and it's you, now we have reached the point where you could be speaking cantonese and i wouldn't understand a word you're saying cause yeah I'm just... <laughs> well, I, I know people out there who are gonna I, i'm sorry wrestling fans it ain't my thing <laughs> and i can promise you one thing if i'm going to do an a, a podcast without wrestling uh, i will have somebody on to help me because i wouldn't be able to do it myself well there you go but honestly it's just it's been a thing for so many years that it's you know it's not even a blink for them so it, it's really inspiring especially even out sports has, has so many stories just of out wrestlers and it's it's great it's fantastic to see that so it's great for people who are like you who are wrestling fans <laughs> i mean that was a long time ago i haven't well i mean listen i mean as i as i said i learned only about wrestling through basically when i got on twitter and i realized that all these people that i follow on monday night are live tweeting raw and i'm like what <laughs> A lot of broadcasters understand it. It's kind of funny because a lot of broadcasters that you follow, I mean, anybody who follows. Oh, one of my great broadcaster friends. uh, (laughs) He he will. We're way past the point of no return on this podcast. uh, Who is Maryland alum Scott Sudikoff, who's awesome. Yeah, tweets about it all the time. All the time. Like, I and I and I go like, what what do you want from me? I I guess this is what it's like when I tweet about soccer and there are non-soccer fans, and I'm like, what is he talking about? (laughs) Who is this 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 player you're talking about all the time? I guess like soccer and wrestling kind of feel like that that point of demarcation, right? I'm guessing, yeah, that would be about about the same. Because as I say, I I again, because I broadcast soccer and I, I, it's just one of those things where I'd like, okay, it it I have debated at times like live tweeting a night of WrestleMania without knowing anything, anything. about what's going on <laughs> and pissing off half my timeline. Just for trolling purposes, because I've always I'm wanted to do that. Say, but I then I'm like, these people do... care about this too deeply. I can't do that. That it... would be worth the follow. Uh, in all honesty, I would follow to just watch what happened. Because well, since... I, I can't. That's crossing. That's crossing the Rubicon, though, ain't it? <laughs> I think it. It might be because I mean, then you'd have to, you know, watch what somebody says about soccer. Because then, well, it depends. Like it depends on what kind of soccer we're watching. Right. You know, like 
that that's the other thing like i mean it is kind of like with wrestling because you've got all these different nights of of things but you've got like like it must be like how when the timeline goes nuts over like the world cup yeah everybody's tweeting about it and like who are you wait you care about what now it was the moment where skip bayless was talking about the u.s men's national team in the world cup and i'm like all right i can't do this anymore (laughs) that's the end of that everybody we're done it's one of those things I'm like, I know you say you know something about everything, but you don't know anything about this. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. So we've gone off the rails. That happens in these podcasts from time <laughs> to time, as you understand. You know that. Oh, for uh, sure. So I'll wrap this up by saying for you, what's the biggest takeaway from your own journey uh, getting to where you are and where you hope to get to? What's the biggest takeaway you've learned and that, that lesson you would give, not just to just broadcasters in general, this tough field, but for people like, you know, out broadcasters, you know, people of this kind of ilk, Right. I think it's just, I mean, I, and I, I hate to wrap an hour by going back to minute two, but uh, it, I think it just comes down to, again, I, you go out, you do the best that you can do, and you ignore everything else. You say, hey, look, this is me. You're going to have what you what you get with me, and that's one of the hardest working and you know committed to the craft people that you can possibly have, and either you're going to like that and want to work with that or you're not. And, you know, if you can take pride to what you do, then, I mean, that's the best piece of advice I could give is don't just do it because, hey, I want to, you brought it up. <laughs> I'm a trendsetter. I, I want to do something no one else has done. I, I mean, that's never, I, never crossed my mind. It's about what can I do and what am I able to bring to this organization? And I'm going to give it everything I got. And what is that the next step for you in terms of being an advocate? Because that's kind of what you become when you do this and you talk <laughs> about this frequently. You, you, you're not, you know, somebody who's a, you know, who's working for these organizations, but you're an advocate in your own right. Right. So, and you've started doing things with you can't play in other organizations. What's that next step for you in that realm? Um, I've, I've honestly tried to branch out on that as well. Um, actually, my main contact at you can play. Uh, left the organization, so I haven't actually talked with them at all this year. I reached out a couple times and just haven't had any response. Um, I reached out and I spoke with uh, a couple people at the NHL who are working in diversity inclusion, um, and just I've tried to continue to put myself out there and uh, be somebody that people can reach out to. I've tried to find ways to continue to work and, and to get out there and be a part of anything that goes on. I reached out to the Hockey Diversity Alliance, and I, Yes, I know they're focused on wow. racial tensions at the Boy, moment. Boy, but... I'm going to have to cut this podcast here because there are lots of things I can say that I really shouldn't say when we were recording. <laughs> I've reached out to everybody I can, and that's where I'm kind of at is just continuing to try to uh, make a difference and be part of that, you know, whatever the change is and whatever comes next, I want to be a part of it, and I want to be, you know, a visual part of it. I don't just want to be one of the voices in the crowd. I want to be there and have an impact great noble goal where can people find you uh you and your work uh johnclement.com j-o-n-k-l-i-m-e-n-t or uh any social media channels facebook twitter and linkedin as i've mentioned a couple times people still use facebook hey we have an older population here i live on the facebook oh no (laughs) i i think that's really the point where we should end this thank you jonathan thank you for doing what you do being yourself and being the trendsetter and uh Hopefully, that means that people are going to follow in your footsteps. Hopefully, maybe I will be one of those one day. No, thanks for